Welcome into the Focused on Fenway podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. Sit back and relax as I update you on everything going on in the world of Red Sox baseball from Boston and beyond. Please be sure to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Focused on Fenway. You can also follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome into another episode of Focused on Fenway. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. I covered the Red Sox for the Occupy Report. I studied journalism at Auburn University, where I also served as co-sports director for the student-run radio station Weagle 91.1 FM. Things continue to look bad for the Red Sox. Um, this afternoon, we will recap the less-than-ideal series against the Milwaukee Brewers that took place at Fenway Park over the weekend, and then we will move into a preview of the Sox trip out to Texas to take on the Houston Astros this week. And the Red Sox have not made any um, last moves before the trade deadline as of now. So we will talk through some possibilities at the end of the show. So, game one against Milwaukee. The Brewers won 4-1. to Austin Davis got the series started for Boston. He threw 2.1 innings, only giving up one hit and no runs. He also didn't allow any walks and recorded four strikeouts. Uh, Brian Woodruff started Game 1 for Brewers. He pitched 6.1 innings, allowing 4 hits, 1 run, 2 walks, and struck out 9. This effort er earned him the win. Brian Bella relieved Austin Davis in the top of the 3rd inning. He pitched 4.1 innings, giving up 4 hits, 2 runs, 3 walks, and he struck out 4 batters. And that earned him the loss, unfortunately. Um, Or not earned him the loss, he got stuck with the loss. Josh Hader pitched the bottom of the ninth inning for the Brewers. He allowed one hit and struck out three batters to pick up his 29th save of the season. Andrew McCutcheon got scoring started for the Brewers as he hit an RBI ground out the third to score Christian Yelich in the top of the sixth inning. Alex Verdugo tied the game up in the bottom of the sixth as he hit a double to deep left center to score Christian Vasquez. The Brewers added on another in the top of the seventh inning as Christian Yelich singled in Tyrone Taylor. The Brew Crew added two more in the top of the ninth as Tyrone Taylor scored Victor Carantini on a sack fly, and then Willie Adamas singled in Colton Wong due to a fielding error. And game one takeaway, they were so close yet so far. <clears throat> so moving into game two, the Brewers won this one 9-4. Nick Pavetta started game two for Boston. He tossed five innings, giving up nine hits, four runs, and two walks, and recorded four strikeouts. This earned him the loss. Eric Lauer started Game 2 for the Brewers. He went for five innings, allowed four hits, one run, and three walks, and then struck out four. This effort earned him his seventh win of the season. Uh, Rowdy Telez got the game going offensively for the Brewers as he singled in Christian Yelich in the top of the first inning. Omar Narvarez hit a solo shot in the top of the third, uh, or top of the second, I mean, to put the Brewers up 2-0. Jalen Davis got things going for Boston in the bottom of the second as he singled in Christian Arroyo. Hunter Renfro homer to left field in um, the top of the fifth inning, which last year would have been a very good thing for the Red Sox considering Renfro was on the team, but not this year. That also brought in Andrew McCutcheon and put Milwaukee up 4-1. to Colton Wong hit a sack fly to score Rowdy Telez in the top of the seventh inning. And Boston showed some fight in the bottom of the seventh as... Christian Vasquez singled in Jalen Davis, Xander Bogart singled in Jared Duran, and J.D. Martinez hit a sack fly to score Christian Vasquez. Um, Boston cut the deficit down to one, but unfortunately they were not able to capitalize as 
Willie Adamas hit a sack fly to score Victor Caratini in the top of the eighth. And the Brewers added on three more runs in the ninth, but they're not really important. Um, the biggest takeaway from this is Milwaukee having 29 bases to Boston's 12. Um, that's definitely not good. And in game three against Milwaukee, Boston won this one 7-2. Josh Winkowski started for Boston. He pitched five innings, allowing seven hits, two runs, one walk, and one strikeout. He earned the win. This was the first time in 34 days that a Red Sox starting pitcher registered a win. Uh, maybe they can not go on a streak like that again. Aaron Ashby started from Milwaukee and went 4.2 innings, allowing five hits, no runs, three walks, and six strikeouts. He took the loss in this one. Hunter Infro got things going for the Brewers with a two-run shot on the top of the second inning that also scored Colton Wong. It was all Boston the rest of the way. In the bottom of the fifth inning, Xander Bogarts doubled in Jackie Bradley Jr. and Yolmer Sanchez. J.D. Martinez doubled in Xander Bogarts. And Christian Vasquez doubled in J.D. Martinez. Alex Verdugo then doubled in Christian Vasquez. And the Red Sox Instagram post after this one had a caption that read, Doubled our way to victory. And that was definitely true in that fifth inning. And in the bottom of the sixth inning, Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a ground rule double that scored Christian Arroyo. And then Jalen Davis singled in Jackie Bradley Jr. So, my biggest takeaway from Game 3 is this is what I've been expecting from Boston all year. Just a high-powered offense and the ability to out-hit opponents. That's what we've been wanting. That's what we expected with this team. And due to injuries and a gruesomely beat-up pitching staff, we just haven't been getting it. But that is going to do it for the Brewers Talk. After the short break, we're on to the Astros. Are you a fan of mixed martial arts? If so, I have the place for you. Brawl Talk MMA is one of the best places to go for interviews with fighters, fight predictions, recaps, and so much more. Brawl Talk MMA is run by my good friend, Will Miller, and let me tell you, he is one of the best in the business. You can follow Brawl Talk on Instagram at Brawl Talk MMA and subscribe on YouTube. So the Red Sox are heading out to Houston for a three-game set in Minute Maid Park, also known as the Juice Box. The Sox head out west, still in last place in the AL East. However, they are only half a game back from the fourth-place Baltimore Orioles, and they are three-and-a-half games back from the third wildcard spot. So they could still very potentially get this thing turned around. I personally really hope so. I would love to see the Red Sox be a playoff team, especially if they are, in fact, not going to sell. So, game one against Houston, which is tonight. First pitch is in about 15 minutes. Nathan Ivaldi is on the mound for Boston. On the year, he is 4-3, has a 4.43 ERA, a 1.25 whip, 81.1 innings pitched, 80 strikeouts, and 14 walks. Um, I like this a lot for Ivaldi. Um, coming off about five days of rest, uh, I think he'll be good to go, and I I really hope Boston can get a good outing out of him tonight. Luis Garcia is on the mound for Houston. He is 8-6 on the year with a 3.81 ERA, a 1.08 whip, 99.1 innings pitched, 107 strikeouts, and 14 walks. So the key to the Red Sox lineup for getting on Garcia is scoring a few early. What I've kind of noticed about Garcia is he'll shut lineups down early and just get into a groove, and then the other team can't get anything going. So that is going to be a big thing for Boston tonight if they want to win. 
Moving into game two, Cutter Crawford is the guy for Boston. He is 2-3 and three on the year with a 4.15 ERA, a 1.22 whip, 47.2 innings pitched, 50 strikeouts, and 16 walks. So, he just hasn't been the best this year, despite his role with the team increasing, mainly due to this, the whole Red Sox pitching staff, both the rotation and the bullpen, have been so beyond injured. So, I feel like that has a lot to do with Cutter Crawford taking on more like advanced roles as a starter. But if he can just give four scoreless innings, I feel like Boston will set the Red Sox up pretty well in game two. And Christian Javier is the guy for Houston. He is 6-6 six and six on the year with a 3.26 ERA, a 1.06 whip, 88.1 innings pitched, 121 strikeouts, and 35 walks. So definitely the Red Sox caught the Astros at a good time for this series because the three pitchers they'll be facing against are, they're avoiding the best two of the Astros rotation. So that's obviously encouraging. And if they can just score some runs early, same thing as game one, I feel like they'll do well against Javier. And if Cutter Crawford can just give the Sox four scoreless innings, I feel like the bullpen can take it the rest of the way. That's the thing about the Red Sox is they really shoot themselves in the foot when they give up these huge first and second innings and then they just can't fight back. So I would love to see them avoid that. And for game three, Boston is not confirmed a starter. My guess is either Nick Pavetta or Austin Davis. Uh, Houston is going with Jose Urquidy. He is 9-4 and four on the year with a 3.86 ERA, a 1.21 whip. 107.1 innings pitched, 80 strikeouts, and 24 walks. So, obviously, in his stats, he is a very good pitcher. That ERA, if that ERA was about 0.5 lower, he would he would be in talks to be one of the best starters right now. So, the keys for Boston in this series, score quick, score frequently, which I guess can be, I know that can be said about every series, but just two and three run games probably aren't going to do it here. Um, they need to score more. So if they can score more, they'll win. And that is going to do it for the talk about the Astros series. When we come back, we're going to discuss some moves that the Sox could make before tomorrow night to get things turned around. Heading to a game at Fenway, be sure to stop outside of Gate C and pick up a copy of the Ocular Report. There are plenty of great articles, some written by your favorite podcast host, Daniel Locke, and so much more. You don't want to miss out on the best Red Sox program in town. So we're going to finish up here tonight with some talk about potential moves that the Red Sox could make for tomorrow night. It looks like J.D. Martinez is likely going to be moved. So J.D., if this is it, thank you. Thank you so much. You've been a great DH for the past five years and have really been a huge part of all the success that Boston's had recently. And we're really going to miss you in Boston. And... Maybe if, if this is, in fact, it, I hope that down the line in the twilight of your career you can come back for a year or two. That would be really enjoyable, and um, we'd love to have you back. So some likely trades that could happen um, involving J.D. Martinez. The first one being the Brewers. Um, the Brewers would get Martinez, and the Sox would get um, Antoine Kelly. In exchange for including a $3.5 million cash considerations, Boston picks up a high-end pitching prospect from the Brewers, that being 
Antoine Kelly. He is a starter right now, dominating at high A ball. Um, his long-term role is likely a late-inning reliever with a devastating fastball slider combo. Gaining that in exchange for a player the Red Sox will probably lose in free agency anyways would be worthwhile. With the Tampa Bay Rays, they would get um, J.D. Martinez and $4.5 million in cash considerations, and Boston would get Rene Pinto. If Boston agrees to eat more than half the remaining salary owed to Martinez this season in exchange, the Red Sox could take a chance on Vic Fitzko. Uh, after, he is another pitcher. After undergoing labrum surgery in December 2020, the 20-year-old is a high upside arm with a chance to become a starting pitcher with three quality pitches. It's a risk-reward lottery ticket, but worth a gamble. Uh, as for Pinto, the 25-year-old can serve as Boston's catcher in 2023 with Christian Vasquez being a free agent. And the last one, this really goes, uh, this is all about the Mets here. The Mets could trade Eric Orze to the Red Sox for J.D. Martinez along with $1.5 million in cash considerations. Um, Orze is the number 17 prospect in the Mets farm system and he was on track to make his MLB debut in 2023. He's a right-handed reliever with a stellar 33.5% strikeout rate, and as of now, a .226 batting average against. Um, he's at the AAA level, and Boston could strengthen its bullpen in years ahead with him, and J.D. Martinez would be a good fit on the Mets because they are looking to boost their lineup. So that could work, um, but like I just said, this will be a very hard goodbye if it in fact happens, but we will know more tomorrow night. And that is going to do it for this episode of Focused on Fenway. Between now and the next time, go Sox. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Fenway podcast. I had a great time keeping you informed on everything going on with the Boston Red Sox. Please follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Focus on Fenway. You can also follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. Have a great rest of your night, and I'll speak with you soon.